Welcome to Vision of Zion. I'm Craig Perry, and this is episode number four. And I want to refer back to a couple things that occurred at the last podcast. <clears throat> I'm going to try and uh, take uh, some time either at the end of the podcast or at the beginning of the next podcast to make any corrections that I may need to make after listening to what I laid down. <clears throat> uh, first of all, I did make a mistake when I was referring to where we anoint the oil, I said the forehead, I meant to say the crown of the head. That's where we place the oil when we do an anointing. And also part of the podcast was, podcast three was a, a garbled. And I don't know why it went garbled. I'm not even sure what I said and I'm thinking maybe I wasn't supposed to say it. So I'm sorry that if, it, if it's annoying, I'm not gonna go back and edit it and try and figure it out. I'll just be more careful with future recordings. Uh, today I've uh, prayerfully considered what to talk about again and uh, had some strong impressions. So I'm just going to go with the things that I feel that I should talk about. Today I'm going to share with you my journey understanding what faith is. I'm not saying I have a perfect understanding, but I am going to share with you some lessons that I hope will be valuable for you. This was a very important lesson and I didn't learn it until my early 20s. I mean the real lessons that I could understand it and explain it. I had gone to church and we had read the definitions of faith in the scriptures, what faith is, and I'm going to start with the, uh, the Hebrews, book of Hebrews chapter 11. We've all heard this definition of faith. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. According to this definition, we have a hope, or in the Greek, the assurance of things that we hope for, but they're not yet seen. And then there's a very powerful example here, which I remember learning about when some lectures were given in the early part of our church history. And listen to this verse in verse three. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The worlds were framed by the word of God. That appears to mean that the Lord spoke the word and the worlds came into being. In other words, God even operated by faith because that which could be called in order was not called in order until after the word was spoken. We know, of course, in the book of John, chapter one, verse one, in the beginning of the world, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it goes on to say, I think it's in verse 16. Let me look here. It talks about how all things, this is verse three, actually, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made, John chapter one, verse three. So first we have the word and we see that in Hebrews 11, one. Still a little bit academic, a little bit, you know, not quite, I wasn't quite understanding this as a, as a younger person. I understood the definition, 
And the example I heard used a lot was, you have to have faith in the right thing for faith to work. For example, if I go over to a light switch and I turn the light switch on, it doesn't matter how much faith I have. If it isn't hooked up to electricity, it's not going to flip a switch on. So faith is more than hope. It's a knowledge that if I do it, that it will work. There's another definition we find in the Book of Mormon, which was, it's a little clearer. <clears throat> this is Alma 32:21, very similar to what the Apostle Paul taught in the Book of Hebrews. And now, as I have said, and now, as I said concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if you have faith, you hope for things which you which are not seen, which are true. So you have to have hope in something that is real, even if it's unseen. Now this kind of goes back to the last podcast when I talked about uh, God being the God of logistics. And what I really didn't explain very well was having a spiritual knowledge beforehand and how that can allow us to act in faith and do things. And the story that I'm thinking of is from the scriptures. We read about uh, Jacob who wrestles with the angel. And I want to talk about that a little bit. And then I'm going to share with you my seminal moment when I understood faith, really understood it for the first time. Now, faith is something that all of us can exercise. And as long as it is based in truth, we can accomplish the thing which the Lord puts into our heart. So overall message is when we try and build Zion, I don't know if I should say Zion or Zion. People say it differently. I'm starting to say Zion in the last couple of years. So Zion, anyway, the fact that we're supposed to build it and can build Zion or heaven on earth in our lifetimes, if that is true, if that's in our heart, then it can be accomplished. I have 100% confidence that if God tells me something, that I can do it. Now, does that mean there's no trials in between the thought or the testimony from God, the whispering of the Spirit, and the actual event unfolding? No, not at all. Clearly, there is a trial period. We do not get anything done unless there's a what? A trial of our faith. So there is a rocky road between the impression and the realization. Sometimes the road is rockier than others. There are so many great examples in the scriptures. In fact, there's a recitation of examples in the in Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith certain things were accomplished. But I want to get to the core issue of when do you know that you have true faith? When do you have not a perfect knowledge, because you can't have a perfect knowledge until the event has already occurred. But when can you have faith that an event will occur and you can act on it with 100% confidence and get through the trial period? In our church recently, the president of our church, President Russell M. Nelson, has been emphasizing the word Israel. And he gave a talk which has been repeatedly referred to in church meetings ever since, which is the word Israel, he stated in general conference, means let God prevail, meaning let God prevail in your life. I would like to suggest 
another meaning of the word, which may be the same coin opposite side. And it has to do with, with Jacob when he's wrestling. So he's looking for a blessing from the Lord. This is in Genesis chapter 32. And in verse 26, it says, and he said, uh, Jacob said, or the angel said, I guess this, and by the way, the word angel, I think it's Malach, and it is the same word as messenger. So Jacob wrestled with an angel or a messenger. There is no distinction in the Greek or in the Hebrew for the word angel or messenger. Anyway, so he's wrestling with this angel or messenger. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. This is Jacob. Remember, J uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the blessings that Abraham had passed on to Isaac. And if you read in the preceding chapters, this is something that Jacob worked hard for, sought for, wanted this blessing of his forefathers, his father and his grandfather. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he, again, the messenger or angel said, thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. So the definition and the reason that Jacob got the name Israel is because he prevailed with God. Not so much that God prevailed in his life, but it's kind of the opposite, isn't it? He prevailed with God. He sought the blessing. He was given the blessing. So it's kind of this, the same coin opposite side, which is that we can seek. And the issue is whether we act or whether we are acted upon. The Savior Jesus Christ was very clear that we can ask, we can seek, and we can knock, and he will give to us. It, there's, no, there's no preconditions about what we can or can't ask for from the Lord. And so this is what Jacob wanted. He wanted to prevail with God, and because of his efforts leading up to that point, not just that wrestling match, but there were other events before that, Jacob was granted this blessing. So then he could let, and yes, God did prevail in his life, but he prevailed with God because he sought the blessings. This is a pattern, and it's the same thing if we go to another account in the Pearl of Great Price. We see the same thing in Abraham chapter 1, verse 1, where Abraham prevails with God. Again, God puts these righteous desires in our hearts, right? And perhaps these are whisperings of our preordained or our pre-mortal existence when we're maybe foreordained to accomplish something and we hear these whisperings inside of ourselves and what is possible for, our, for us and what we can do for God in this life. Abraham chapter 1, it's actually verse 2. And finding there was greater happiness and peace and rest for me, I sought for the blessings of the fathers and the right whereunto I should be ordained to, to administer the same, having been myself a follower of righteousness, desiring also to be one who possessed greater, great knowledge and to be a greater follower of righteousness and to possess a greater knowledge and to be a father of many nations, a prince of peace, and desiring to receive instructions and to keep the commandments of God, I became a rightful heir 
a high priest holding the right belonging to the fathers. And then it was conferred upon him. So this is something Abraham sought. He wanted to prevail with God in righteous desires, and he did. And that set off this chain of three forefathers that we refer to throughout Scripture and throughout history, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three righteous generations that set the precedent for many of the events that are going to unfold in our day because they are the ones who secured the covenants. They are the ones with whom God promised he would bless the nations of the earth through their posterity. Okay, let's bring it now to, down to uh, our examples, to our lives, and what I learned about faith. Um, I had a chance to serve a mission for my church, which is a, it was a proselyting mission. I went to Italy, Rome mission is what it was called. The places I served in were Rome, Latina, Ciampino, Napoli, Ostia. And then I had a chance to travel around a little bit. In the very first city that I went to, Latina, my brother actually served in the same mission, by the way. He was two years older than I was. And the very month that he came home, the very week he came home, was the same week that I entered the mission training center to learn the language, you know, a little bit of the language. You don't learn much, but you learn enough to get going. And so my first city, Latina, was his last city. And coincidentally, his companion, one of his companions from the past, was going to be my companion. Uh, all right, so we're in, we're in Latina. We're proselyting involves following up on referrals, talking to people on the street, going door to door, looking into old prior people who were investigating the gospel to see if they are interested at all in learning or returning to a study of, uh, of the gospel and about the restored church of Jesus Christ. So anyway, one night, where it's a Sunday night, we have this companion inventory. That's what we call it. Like we have an interview with each other. We kind of plan out our week. And I clearly remember having a prayer with my companion to pray over what we should do for the next coming week. Now, throughout my mission, I'd set many goals. This was the very beginning of my mission. This was like uh, March. Uh, I'd been there, been in Italy. It was my third month in, 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 in Italy. And we prayed. And I remember having a very strong impression that there was a woman that was on our list who we should challenge to be baptized. It was a very clear impression. So I would say that would be maybe um, the faith part. This hadn't unfolded. This is just an impression we had. And we both got it at the same time. All right. So then we began to exercise faith. And <clears throat> we called her up. Well, actually, we called a friend who was a member of our church. And we said, hey, we had this impression that your good friend, she might be a candidate for baptism. And she said, oh, no, no, no. Well, you can't talk to her about baptism. Well, why not? Because she, her husband beats her and he's an abuser. And if she brings up the church or Jesus or joining uh, this faith, he's going to hurt her and you can't bring it up. Okay. 
Well, I mean, that was legitimate, right? What are we supposed to do now? We got this impression we're supposed to challenge her. And now we're being told you can't even talk to her and you shouldn't talk to her. And so a few days went by and we then decided to talk to Angela about it. And so we called her on the phone. I didn't call her. I was very barely able to speak Italian, but my, my companion did. And he called her on the phone and she reiterated what her friend had said. Uh, I can't ask him. It's, it'll, it's, it's, you know, it's a really bad idea. Last time I brought it up, it was not a good situation. Okay. So we won't, we won't do that. So we didn't know what to do at that point. We had, you know, tried these avenues. We've been praying. We had challenged her to ask. We challenged her friend said, not good. So what do we do? And we didn't know what to do at that point. I remember it was, uh, the week was going by and we were so confident that we had had this impression. We decided we were going to fast. Now, of course, fasting means just skip a meal or two or three in order to seek the Lord's blessing. Maybe that's our equivalent of uh, wrestling with an angel is to fast and to show the Lord that we really wanted to be uh, in the right place at the right time and doing his will. So I remember that we started to fast on Friday night, Friday, and we had made plans to baptize her on Saturday, even though we had, there was no way to, to think this could ha actually happen. But we were so confident in our impression that we, um, we have a font in our church. We do baptism only by immersion, uh, full immersion in the water. So we have to fill up this font. It's a temporary font that's above ground, sits on an apartment floor. We fill it up and we heat up the water. So we filled the font up and we uh, were heating the font while we were fasting. And Saturday morning came. We're in a now we're in a prayer meeting with our other missionaries. There's four of us. And we broke our fast and we get a phone call and it was her. She said, I spoke to my husband and he said that I can be baptized. And we were so overjoyed and we didn't have it that day. It, it occurred on Sunday, the baptism, her husband came, her children came and she was able to be baptized into the church. And she was also able to receive or be confirmed a member and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost at the water's edge, which was wonderful. And her husband came, he was actually very nice, but we heard later when we left the area that he never let her go back to church, but she did receive the saving ordinance of baptism by those who held the priesthood. It is a wonderful, wonderful experience and I did not fully appreciate what it was, what had happened. This came a couple of years later, which is where I'm going with the story. So this happened. We continue to set goals throughout my mission. We want to, you know, we want to teach people. We'd like to baptize people. And of course we did see other people join the, join the waters of baptism and, and join the Lord's flock. However, I never had that experience again. I never had a prompting ahead of time that this was going to happen. We just would work through these uh, other op opportunities. 
the full realization of what happened did not uh, did not come together until later. Later on, I was a teacher at the mission training center. I was teaching missionaries um, the Italian language, you know, the basics. While I was attending school, the mission president for the mission training center got up and gave a talk. And this is where I finally learned about faith in the rearview mirror. What he told us was this amazing story. I'm not going to use the name of the the leader, the general authority of our church who was there, but here's the story. He said he was sitting in a meeting. There was a general authority, maybe an apostle, probably an apostle of the church, but maybe not at that time. And as the meeting was ending, it was a large meeting of, I think it was in like Toronto, Canada, if I remember right. The man who was the visiting authority said to him, who was the local authority, he said, is there anybody here in the congregation who comes to church regularly, who pays their tithing, but has never been baptized? And the man who was telling the story said, yeah, I can identify six or seven people here that fit that description. And he said, great. I would like you to announce at the end of the meeting that there's going to be a baptismal service for these individuals. And he said, okay, he's kind of surprised. And when the meeting was over and they said the prayer, he announced there would be a baptism. There'd be a baptismal service afterwards. And this visiting authority got up off the stand, went down in the audience and pulled one of those identified, it was also male members, uh, male members, head of homes, head of families that he identified as potential candidates. He grabbed this first man by the hand and pulled him up out of his chair and said, brother so-and-so, what size pants do you wear? Now, what he meant by that was in order to be baptized, we have these baptismal clothes that are white and he wanted to fit him for a pair of white clothes. And the man said, oh no, I'm not getting baptized. And he said to the man, I didn't ask you for getting baptized. I asked you what size pants you wore. Well, this mission president went on to say that every single person who fit the description of a man who uh, was the head of a family, paid tithing, went to church, but had never been baptized. Every one of them was baptized that night. So I'm hearing this story. It's like a training meeting for teachers when I'm teaching there. And I thought, oh man, I really blew it. I should have been more, I should have been more challenging. I should have been more aggressive. I should have been more assertive. If I had done that, I would have been a more successful missionary. But then came the lesson a lesson that I had probably learned as a missionary, but I hadn't realized that I'd learned the, the lesson. He said, this visiting general authority said to him, the reason I did that is because when I was standing, when I was sitting on the stand, the Holy Ghost told me that if I would do that, that every single one of those men would be baptized. And that's why I did it. All right, now the light bulb went on. This is faith. Faith is when the Spirit tells you in advance what the reality will be, what the reality can be. As I mentioned in the last podcast, God is a God of logistics. It's His job to make happen and to put it into place 
what he has told us in our heart we are supposed to do. And if we will follow through on those impressions, then they will come to pass. And I finally learned that lesson. That's why when I told the story last week, about or last time, last episode, about looking for a house, we were told to sell the house. I told my wife, that's God's problem. Because I, it was put into my heart to sell the house. And then it was put into her heart which house we should buy. And when we put a down deposit on that house, and then when our house didn't sell, I told her that's God's problem. And it is, it is God's problem. We have to trust in the Lord when he gives us impressions. And so this principle of faith is a broad principle. This is what we are promised as followers of Jesus Christ. We are told that we can call upon him in faith and we can accomplish things. And so the title of this podcast is going to be, you know, let go and let God prevail. Um, I had, a, we have a friend we used to pray with a lot. She's a member of another denomination and we would pray together and she would always say, you know, let go, let God. And that's how she would say it. And <clears throat> I came to understand that we have to relinquish our will. But when we have a righteous desire, we can call down the power of God from heaven because really it's God acting through us. And this is the whole point of boots on the ground that I discussed. This is the whole point I'm trying to get across as I deliver these podcasts is that we are supposed to bring about the promises made to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the establishment of Zion, the kingdom of God upon the earth as prophesied in Daniel chapter two, verse 44, the birth of the kingdom of God as prophesied in Revelation chapter 12, verse seven. We are the people, we are the children who get to do this. And you can be distracted by all of the anger, the setting up of the false kingdom, the kingdom of the devil, which will happen. I mean, this is the opposition we're facing right now. We are facing the implementation of Revelation chapter 13, while God's kingdom in Revelation 12 and Daniel chapter 2 are going to prevail. And we have the opportunity to participate. And we have been given gifts and, and, and abilities. And God will magnify our efforts. An ounce of faith is what it takes to implement these things. So I'm going to end it here. I believe I've made my point. There's more things I could say about faith. But remember that faith is when God tells you to, that you can do it. It hasn't yet occurred. But you know God's voice and you know it's true. Be prepared for the challenges of your faith. Know that it will not be easy, easy sailing. You will face opposition as you try to accomplish it. But there is great joy in the process because you know and have hope that it will occur. And as you practice the gift of faith, you will gain more confidence 
in your ability to do God's work, that you will gain confidence and you will know that when God speaks to you, you can take it to the bank. And when God inspires you to ask for things in his name, that he will deliver. It can be small things. It can be big things. It can be daily things. It can be lifetime changing things. It can be you talking to someone else to get them to understand and to put them in alignment with God. I have a very good uh, Christian friend. She was not a Christian for many, many years. She's a very famous in the Latino community. Her friend invited her a few years ago to a tent revival for Christians, a Christian tent revival in California. I knew her before she went to this revival. She was depressed. She was at the end of her illustrious musical career where she was extremely famous. And I can get her on this podcast sometimes. She will tell you her story. It is a beautiful story and she's a beautiful person. And she went from depression and a dead-end life to talking nonstop about the Lord and using her musical talents to go to churches and to bear witness of Jesus Christ. She is such a beautiful person and I have witnessed this transformation with various people doesn't matter what their religion is. I have seen people born again who are members of my church. I've seen born again from people who are reaching out to Christ in many different circumstances. The power of Jesus Christ extends and his reach is so broad that we have commonality as Christians to share in this supper of the Lord. And I invite you to exercise faith, to understand what it is to learn the voice of the Lord, because we have to make a concerted effort. And the power that we have together is so much greater than the evil forces that we see encompassing the earth today. They are so much greater, they don't even stand a chance. The only thing we have to be worried about is, are we going to have a smooth transition or a bumpy transition between the way the world is today and the way the world is going to be very soon? And I think the more we can encourage others to find righteousness, to repent, to be born again, to accept Jesus Christ and to live his gospel, the transition between the world we are in today and the promised world will be smoother. It's all on conditions of repentance and on our righteousness. We need to get more people on our side. We need to give hope to people that the powers of God are so much greater. I talked about Elijah calling down the powers of heaven versus the priests of Baal. It is so blatantly obvious how much power God has when you look at the scriptures and, and, and meditate upon those stories. It's, it's, it's amazing to think that they think they can prevail they cannot prevail. If they do, it'll be for a very short period in the grand scheme of things. 
I, I pray that we can find ways to unite our faith in Jesus Christ, find commonality. I see it happening among churches today. I see faiths getting together more. I think it's maybe a partly self-preservation because the secularism is creeping into our societies and the power structure of churches is starting to wane a little bit. But again, if you go back and read Daniel, you go back and read the fall of political empires in the face of the stone cut out of the mountain without hands, which is the kingdom of God. This is, this is prophesied. This is transitional. And we are called to reach out and give a helping hand in love and kindness to those who were lost, who don't know where to find the truth or need a complete, more complete picture of the truth. We've got to figure out ways to do this. Thank you for listening.